And find, please, in your Bible, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13, and we'll begin at verse 8 tonight. Vamos a ir esta noche a Romanos, capítulo 13, el verso 8 esta noche. Romans chapter 13, we've been talking about practical theology. Hemos estado hablando de la teología práctica. The Christian faith is not just about a belief system, but it is about a doing system. It's a system of a lifestyle that we uh, live as Christians here on the earth. In the midst of this generation, in this culture, there is an expectation from our God, our King, our Father, as to how we ought to live. And we've seen the relationships uh, uh, revealed by the Apostle Paul in this First 12, in chapter 12 and 13 of Romans. And tonight we're going to look at verse 8. And the Bible says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Tonight we'll focus that portion of scripture. Owe no man anything except to love him. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you tonight for your word, which is living and powerful. We pray tonight that you would speak to the issues of our heart and of our life, that you would bring about transformation and change where it is needed, that you would increase the love walk of your people, and that we might more and more each day reflect that we are your disciples by our love. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. I want to speak tonight on this phrase, owe no man anything except to love him. Now, I want to mention a little bit regarding uh, the first part of that, which is, owe no man anything. Uh, because the Bible does not say that debt is a sin. It does not uh, say that borrowing is a sin. Although it does say that the borrower is a slave to the lender. La Biblia no nos dice uh, que es uh, un pecado estar uh, o pre pedir prestado. Sin embargo, si nos dice que el, el que pide prestado es siervo o esclavo a el que le presta. Entonces, esta noche uh, queremos estar en, entendiendo esa realidad que las deudas son una uh, esclavitud al cristiano. So we want to understand that from God's perspective, debt is a, is a bondage to people. It's a bondage to believer and unbeliever alike. So the scriptures, although they don't prohibit debt, they do encourage us to live within our means. The Bible uh, encourages us, teaches us to not spend more than we make, to live within our means. And if we're going to use debt to be sure that it is uh, becoming a resource that's going to produce more for us rather than something that's going to take. Entonces, uh, la deuda, si uh, es que la va a usar, es mejor, la Biblia nos anima a vivir dentro de lo que ganamos, 
de no uh, gastar más que lo que ganamos y si tenemos deudas que sean para algo que va a producir un bien o un beneficio en nuestra vida. One of the ways that people live outside of their means is by taking on credit card debt. Una de las formas que las personas viven fuera de sus uh, medios de finanza es con tarjeta de crédito. They, if you spend more every month than you make, you are digging a hole every month and it's going to be uh, a bondage to you. Si uno uh, gasta cada mes más que lo que entra, está escarbando un pozo que va a ser una atadura a su vida. And there are a lot of things you can borrow for that the moment they leave the store lose their value. Hay muchas cosas que usted puede comprar prestado que el momento que sale de la tienda pierde su valor. So uh, we want to be encouraged tonight to use debt wisely. Queremos ser animados esta noche a no usar la deuda o a usarla sabiamente. Now, I want to uh, mention that because uh, sometimes people can get into uh, bondage by debt and others by uh, get into bondage by the fear of debt. Otros se meten en, uh, en deudas y es una esclavitud. Otros están esclavizados por la, el temor a las deudas. And this text really is dealing with uh, a comparison. Esta escritura nos está dando una comparación. So I'll give you an example of what's going on here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. En Mateo 5, verso 42, vemos otra comparación. Uh, we, we see another comparison uh, that Jesus makes. And uh, we're told there, he says, Give to him who seeks of you, who asks from you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not uh, turn away. Jesús dice, dale al que te pide, y al que te pide prestado, no lo rechaces. So Jesus uh, teaches us there, by way of comparison, not to become a, a debtor, but to become someone who is a giver. Jesús nos enseña ahí a no ser deudores, sino a ser personas que uh, tenemos la habilidad de ser una bendición a alguien más. And then in John chapter 6, verse 27, and Juan capítulo 6, verso 27, he says this. He says, do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because the, the God the Father has set his seal on him. Dice ahí, no trabajes para la comida que perece sino para la comida que persevera para la vida eterna, la cual el Hijo de Dios te dará porque su Padre te ha sellado para Él. Now, if you are, if you're not careful, you would misread this passage. Uh, si usted no tiene cuidado, puede ser que mal entienda este pasaje. Uh, if you would just leave it on the screen for just a moment more. And if you only read the first phrase, do not work for food, then you might say, well, that means I don't need a job. And that's not what the Bible is teaching. As usted lee, no trabajes para la comida, alguien va a decir, bueno, no hay que trabajar. No tengo que tener un trabajo. Y eso no es lo que la Biblia está diciendo. It's giving us a comparison. It's saying that our, our labor for physical things shouldn't be as great a priority 
as our labor, our pursuit of spiritual things. La, la Biblia ahí nos está enseñando que nuestra labor, nuestro esfuerzo para ganar cosas físicas uh, debe ser menor que nuestra labor y nuestra pasión para ganar cosas espirituales. And Jesus uses this uh, a comparison. He's saying, you ought to be working harder for spiritual things which are going to last forever than for the perishable and temporal food of the natural life. And so, if we understand that, we can understand what Romans 13.8 is saying. He's saying, do not owe anyone except to love him. What's he saying? He's saying there's one debt that all people, all Christians for sure, have. Ahí Pablo en, en Romanos 13 está haciendo una similar comparación. Dice, no le debas a nadie, uh, sino el amor. Entonces él está diciendo, hay una deuda que todos tenemos. Y es la deuda de el amor. We all have this debt, and it is the debt of love. And so the, the Bible advises us to stay away from natural debt, from financial debt, from... Uh, from uh, consumer debt, but it's really using this as an example to us that we should uh, uh, consider ourselves debtors to uh, out of love. Debemos no envolvernos envolvernos en deudas consumidoras, sino que debemos tener en nuestro corazón la actitud de un deudor, y nuestra deuda es el amor. Now, if you remember the passage we read prior, last paragraph, uh, Paul says, Give honor to whom honor is due, taxes to whom taxes are due, and fear to whom fear is due. And so he's teaching us there that one of the ways that we pay the debt of love is through honor and through respect. Una de las formas que pagamos la deuda del amor es a través de el honor y el respeto. And, uh, and this debt of love is, uh, is then brought into this next paragraph. Ahora esta deuda del amor es, ya, es ahora en esta oración que hemos leído. Y Pablo nos explica que hay una cosa que cumple toda la ley de Moisés. He says there's one thing that fulfills the entirety of the law. One thing that fulfills the entire Old Testament requirement and that is love. Hay una cosa que cumple todos los mandamientos y es el amor. So love is a significant part of the Christian life. El amor es una parte significativa de la vida cristiana. In fact, Jesus said that they will know that you are my disciples. Why? Because you love one another. Jesús dijo, por esto reconoceréis Reconocerán, reconocerán que sois mis discípulos porque se aman uno al otro. Believers show themselves to be believers not by the mountains they move, not by the demons they cast out, not by the tongues they speak. Is the church here tonight? Christians reveal themselves to be Christians by their love. Los cristianos muestran su cristianidad, no por los demonios que echan fuera, o por los milagros que obran, o las montañas que mueven, o las lenguas que hablan, sino por su amor. 
And Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, if I can move mountains, but I have not love, then I'm just a noisy symbol. Si puedo mover montañas, pero no tengo el amor, soy un símbolo resonante. Just meaningless noise. Un ruido sin propósito. And so love is uh, the primary fuel of the Christian life. Ese, ese es el combustible de la, de la vida cristiana. In Galatians, Paul teaches us that faith works through love. En Galatas, Pablo nos enseña que el amor funciona a través de el amor. The, the greater your love walk, the healthier your faith walk. Entre mejor esté tu vida de amor, entre mejor está tu, tu caminar de amor, ta, mejor va a estar tu vida de fe y tu caminar de fe. So we're looking uh, at what the scriptures teach us tonight because this is practical theology. Esa es la, la teología práctica. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Primera de Corintios 16, 14. It says, be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. Dice, estar alertas, parados firmes en la fe, ser hombres de valor, ser fuertes, haz todo en el amor. I want to I want to point this out tonight uh, because maybe the word love sounds like a a word for women, all right? But I want you to see this. Paul puts love in the same sentence, same category as being an alert watchman, as being someone who stands firm, as being a man of courage, as being strong. Love is a powerful thing on the earth. It is not weakness, it is strength. El amor no es debilidad, es fuerza. Y Pablo aquí pone el amor en el mismo categoría con el estar alerta, con el ser firme, con el tener valor, con el ser fuerte. So we don't consider love something to be weak, but rather strong. El amor no es algo que es débil, sino algo que es fuerte. And then, if you look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, we see here that God requires us to walk in love. We see there in Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our example. That we have been justified by faith through the love of Christ, through the love of God. And then in uh, John 3.16, that well-known passage everyone has already read and knows. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Juan 3.16, cual todos conocen, que dice, De tal manera amó Dios al mundo. Tenemos el ejemplo del amor en la persona del Señor Jesucristo. But now look at 1 John chapter 3 verse 16. Ahora, primera de Juan 3.16. You should memorize this one also. ¿Por qué no nos aprendemos este también? It says there, We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Dice, conocemos el amor en esto, 
que Él entregó su vida por nosotros y que debemos también entregar nuestra vida por los hermanos. Now I want you just to uh, let that sink in for a moment because God requires those saved by the by His Son laying down His life to also lay down their life. Dios requiere que aquellos que han sido salvos por la vida entregada de Cristo también entreguen su vida. And so when we serve the body of Christ, we're laying down our life. Cuando servimos el cuerpo del Señor Jesucristo, estamos dando nuestra vida por entrega. And listen, uh, being a, a volunteer or being on staff at a church or serving the body of Christ in some capacity is an act of love because there's often not any pay and there's often uh, uh, hard and long hours and sometimes no one sees it and no one uh, maybe uh, pats you on the back because they don't see the hard work that you do and yet God says you are uh, acting in love. You are doing a labor of love. And here's God's promise for you. Every person in Kingsway Church who's a servant of Christ, who's a servant of the church, who in some way is laying down their lives for the brethren, whether they be the toddler in the nursery or children in Kidsway or the young people on the basketball court in the hot summer day or uh, serving the body of Christ here in the sanctuary or getting the grass mowed or making sure that the, uh, that the lights are paid uh, and that we have air conditioning. Whatever your area of service is, I want you to notice what God's promised to use this. Hebrews 6.10, he says, God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. Listen to that. God is not unjust. Dice Hebreos 6.10, Dios no es injusto para olvidar la obra de tu amor. To forget your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, having ministered and is still ministering to the saints. Your reward comes from God. Our reward comes from God. Nuestro galardón, si somos siervos de Cristo, viene de Dios. Y él dice, Dios no es injusto para olvidar tu obra de amor, tu obra de fe. In the Bible, there was a man who had, uh, who was a, a Gentile. In la Biblia había un gentil and uh, there, he needed a miracle in his house. Él necesitaba un milagro en su casa. How many of you ever needed a miracle in your house? Él necesitaba un milagro familiar. He needed a family miracle. And they came to Jesus and they told him, you should heal this man. They should bring a miracle to this man's house. Bring healing to his sick loved one because he gives to the synagogue. Dijeron, debes hacer este milagro porque este hombre da a la sinagoga. He gives to the Jewish people. He's a Gentile. But he is investing in the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. And Jesus did the work in the man's life. Listen, God is not unjust. Nothing you ever give as a labor of love to God's people, to God's family, will go unrewarded. Say amen, somebody. God will do the thing you need done. And, and he wants you and I to understand we're serving him. We're serving him out of love. Estamos sirviendo a él. Estamos sirviendo de el amor. First John 4, 9. Primera de Juan 4, 9. It says, By this, the love of God was manifested in us, 
Por esto se manifestó el amor de Dios en nosotros. So how do we know the love of God is in us? That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that he might, uh, so that he might live through him. So that we might live through him. Que Dios ha dado su hijo, ha entregado su hijo al mundo para que podamos vivir por él. The life of God is in the believer. La vida de Dios está en el creyente. Paul said it like this, the life I now live. How many of you have that kind of life? Pablo dijo, la vida que ahora vivo. ¿Cuántos tienen esa vida? Una vida eterna. The, the life of God in you. What is the manifestation of that? God's love. La manifestación del amor de Dios. Now, if you read the verse just before that, it says, it's the most quoted Bible verse in, in Bible trivia. Right? God is love. We are called out of darkness into light by a loving God. He's living on the inside of us and he manifests his love through us and then the world can see him and know him. So our love walk matters to God and it matters to people. Nuestra caminar de amor le interesa a Dios y le interesa a las personas cuales queremos que conozcan Adiós también. Now let's go to the Old Testament real quick. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 through 9. Vamos a ir a Deuteronomio, capítulo 7, verso 7 al 9. This is the, the Old Testament and it has to do with love. So love is a predominant theme in the entirety of the Bible. Es el Antiguo Testamento, pero aún está ahí el amor presente. Now, I want you to, if you, if you don't mind underlining in your Bible, just underline the word love every time you see it as I read these three verses. Vamos a subrayar la palabra amor cuando la leamos. The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any of the people. For you were the fewest of all the peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore in your, uh, to your forefathers. And the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and there it is again, his loving kindness to a thousand generations for those who love him and keep his commandments. Now we see there in the Hebrew, the, there are three different words used for love. Aquí vemos en el Hebreo tres distintas palabras usadas para el amor. The first one is uh, what we would call hased, which is an emotional love. La primera es una, un amor emocional. It means to cling to or to attach oneself to something. It's a uh, it, it significa uh, es, es apegarse a algo o ingrirse con algo. Just the way that your children, they get attached to a puppy. Right? Como sus hijos se, se ingren con un, uh, una mascota que tiene en la casa. Así también uh, es, es, esta característica existe humanamente. This is a human characteristic. And God says, I did not, I did not grow attached to you. 
because you had something to offer me. I did not love you because you had something to offer me. Now, what are we seeing here? We're seeing the God kind of love. Aquí vemos el amor de Dios. And this love is not based on what people can do for me. Es un amor que no es basado en lo que me puedes dar. This, the, the kind of love that's based upon what, what you can get out of a person is, is not the love of God. Uh, it's a corrupt form of love. This love of God is a love that is not based on the characteristics of the person that is receiving this love. And aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that God loved you not based on any of your own personal faults or uh, assets? Because if we did, then His love would change based upon our changing. But His love does not change based upon your changing. Say amen, somebody. He loves you as you are. He said you were small. You were the fewest of the people. No one was chanting the name of Israel. And God said, I loved you. The other word, the second word, is a covenant love. It's a covenant loyalty. So this is the kind of love that is expected uh, from someone who has entered into a covenant. Eh, la segunda palabra es la palabra de un amor de pacto, un amor de lealtad. This is the kind of love that's expected when someone uh, has entered into a covenant. That they're saying, I'm going to love, honor, cherish. Estoy uh, entrando en un pacto de matrimonio que decimos, te voy a amar, honrar, te voy a cuidar. Este amor es un amor de pacto. God's love toward you is a covenant love. El amor de Dios hacia, no, hacia nosotros es un amor de pacto. God has made a covenant of love toward you. Dios ha hecho un pacto de amor contigo. In the Old Testament, every covenant included the shedding of blood. En el Antiguo Testamento, eh, los pactos se hacían con el derramamiento de sangre. And uh, when God made his covenant with Abraham, he had him uh, divide animals uh, and, and the blood of those animals uh, poured down that altar. And this was a covenant. Well, when did God make a covenant of love with you? He did it at the cross. And how did he enter into this covenant? By shedding the blood of his son, Jesus. And so when you and I sing about the blood, or we talk about the blood of Jesus, we are talking about God's uh, covenant love toward us. And Jesus said, this is a new covenant in what? In my blood. So you have a, a, a covenant of love with God. Usted ha entrado a un pacto de amor. Este pacto fue hecho en sangre, la sangre de Cristo en la cruz del Calvario. Y este amor es demostrado a nosotros. Hemos entrado a Él. So let me just give you some good news tonight. God will never break His covenant of love with you. Dios jamás va a quebrar su pacto de amor contigo. He says, My covenant shall I not break, neither will I alter the words that come out of my mouth. Él dice, Mi pacto no quebraré y tampoco cambiaré las palabras que salen de mi boca. He says there, but because the Lord loved you and kept the covenant which he swore to your forefathers. Look how strong this covenant is. Esta es la fuerza del pacto. 
God did not bring Israel out of Egypt because of Israel. Dios no sacó a Israel de Egipto por Israel. And, and I, you have, have all the reasons why. Todas las razones son obvias. They were complainers. They were, they were negative. They were unbelieving. Uh, eran, uh, estaban siempre renegando. No le creían a Dios. Estaban siempre uh, en un estado de, de negativo. And so why would you, why would you deliver people like that? Para que salvar un pueblo como este? He says, I, I'm not delivering you for you. I'm delivering you because of Abraham. Estoy liberando porque yo le hice un pacto a Abraham. Now that ought to get uh, ought to encourage us tonight that when you enter into a covenant with God, God says, I'm going to look out to fulfill this covenant even when you're gone, when you're no longer on the earth. When they're talking about way back when, when my grandma and my grandpa, they're gonna, they're gonna be receiving blessings that they don't deserve, but because you are in covenant with God, and God says, I will not break my covenant. Say amen, somebody. I feel sorry for any of your descendants who don't want to serve the Lord, because they are, they are, they have a covenant God pursuing them, chasing after them. Come on, is the church here tonight? This is a covenant of love. We see it also in the life of David. También lo vemos en la vida de David. The Bible says that David and Jonathan entered into a covenant. David y Jonathan entraron a un pacto. And then uh, Saul, uh, King Saul died. Jonathan died. All of the house of Saul was to be killed. Murió uh, Saul, el rey. Murió Jonathan, su hijo. Todo uh, la casa de Saul fue matada. And then we read that G, that that uh, David says, "Is there any of the house of Saul that I might show him mercy for Jonathan's sake?" He said, "David, habrá uno en la casa de Saúl o de la casa de Saúl para que yo le muestre misericordia por causa de Jonathan." What is he saying? He's saying, "I've made a covenant with Jonathan, and anybody that belonged to Jonathan now belongs to me by covenant." Yo hice un pacto con Juanatán. Cualquier persona que pertenezca a Juanatán ahora me pertenece a mí. Come on somebody, this is the gospel. Este es el evangelio. God the Father has said, Is there any of the house of Jesus Christ that I might show him mercy for Jesus' sake? Come on somebody. And you and I, having entered into that covenant, have received all of the covenant blessing of God. Shout that tonight. I am in the covenant of God. And then the third word that's used here in Deuteronomy is the word uh, which mean, has said, which means kindness or devotion. God's love is a devoted love. El amor de Dios es un amor devoto, un amor devocional. God is devoted to you. Dios es, uh, es un Dios que te persigue con un amor Completamente devoto hacia ti. And you know, devotion is beautiful when you see it, isn't it? La devoción es algo hermoso cuando lo vemos. Sometimes it's a little, a little embarrassing. A veces un poco avergonzador. And uh, sometimes it makes us laugh. A veces no hace reír. When you see a boy who's devoted to a girl. Right? And she's pretending that she does not notice. 
And you're just, it's kind of it's kind of funny. It's kind of silly. And you, you kind of laugh because you know what's going on. And and God says, I have loved you with devotion. I I am uh, I am waiting for opportunities to bless you. Estoy esperando oportunidades para bendecirte. If her, if her pencil rolls off the desk, there he goes to rescue it like someone taking the bullet for the president, right? There's devotion. And, and he has studied to see what time does she uh, walk to school and what time does she cross the street so that just when she does that, I can be there. And God says, I have, I have been waiting for you around every street corner. I'm devoted to you. I love you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you to myself. Come on, somebody. This is the love of God. And this is the kind of love that's in you. Because of the presence of Christ in your life. Owe no man anything except to love him. So we're to, lo- to walk in uh, this love. Debemos caminar en este amor. The Bible tells us furthermore, 2 John chapter 1 verse 6. It says, and this is love. That we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as we have heard from the beginning, that we should walk in it. And in John 14, 15, we have the commandment, if you love me, keep my commandments. So when we honor God's word, we're walking in love. Cuando cumplimos la palabra de Dios, estamos caminando en el amor. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and I remain in his love. Juan 15, 10. Si guardas mis mandamientos, habitarás en mi amor. Así como yo también guardo los mandamientos de mi padre y permanezco en su amor. 1 John 5, 3. It reads, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not hard to follow. Este es el amor de Dios, que guarde sus mandamientos, y sus mandamientos no son difíciles. Listen to that. God says, my commandments are not hard to follow. Why not? ¿Por qué no? Because you have been indwelled by the Spirit of God. Usted ha sido uh, invadido por el Espíritu de Dios. The love of God dwells within you. Ahora, el Espíritu de Dios... Habita en ti. God's commandments are practical. Every one of God's commandments can be done by you. Cada uno de los mandamientos de Dios pueden ser hechos por el cristiano. God never said, everybody bring a, bring $10,000 offering. What does he say? Bring the tithe. Not everyone can give $10,000, but everyone can give 10%. Say amen, somebody. They're always practical. God never says, to uh, to do anything that he has not given you the ability to do. Dios no nos ha mandado hacer algo que no podemos hacer. And then we have the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Tenemos la asistencia, la ayuda del Espíritu Santo. And so these commandments are not grievous. Sus mandamientos no son muy difíciles porque tenemos la ayuda y la gracia de Dios. We have the help and the grace of God. And if you're doing something for God that you feel like you're burning out doing 
And you need to stop and check. Number one, did God tell me to do this? Or am I doing it out of obligation to somebody else other than God? And number two, you need to stop and see, am I doing this by faith? Or am I doing this by grace? Or am I doing this by my own strength? And any time that you're doing it out of obligation for somebody else, you're going to run out of gas. And if you're doing it out of, out of, out of a sense of, of guilt, you're going to run out of gas. If you're doing it by the grace of God, the help God supplies, then you're going to have all the, the fuel you need to make the journey. Say amen, somebody. But you'll burn out quickly if you're trying to do God's will in your power. So this has to be done by the power of God, but it can be done. So what does it mean to walk in love? Let me mention three things. ¿Qué significa caminar en amor? Amor. Number one, we walk in the atmosphere of love. Número uno, caminamos en la atmósfera del amor. Just like you walk in the sun, the sunlight. That's what it means to walk in love. God has shed his blood, his love abroad on our hearts. El caminar en el amor es caminar en una atmósfera, como caminar en la luz. Dice la Escritura que Dios ha derramado su amor grandemente sobre nosotros. So we, we walk in the atmosphere of God's love. Debemos caminar en la atmósfera del amor. And, and in other words, we walk in the presence of God. Caminamos diariamente en la presencia de Dios. I had a friend uh, who said to me, you know, he says, I, I tell God I love him. And he always says, do you? I said, I don't think that's God. You see, God is not going around saying, do you really? I believe that when you say, God, I love you, he says, I love you too. You see... The atmosphere of love is very different from the atmosphere created by condemnation and guilt and shame. And that's what many people hear. They hear the, the response uh, that they're never good enough, that they never can love God enough, that they're never good enough in worship, they're never good enough in giving. That's not the heart of God. It's not the voice of God. And we, we need to daily walk in this atmosphere, in this understanding, God loves me. Tenemos que diariamente caminar en esta atmósfera, Dios me ama a mí. Number two, we walk in the apparel of love. Número dos, caminamos en la vestidura del amor. To walk in love means we are dressed in the love of God. Estamos uh, vestidos. De el amor de Dios. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Dice la Escritura, ponte al Señor Jesucristo. The way you would put on a big, thick winter coat. Así como te pones un saco uh, en el invierno. He says, put on this, uh, the, the love of Christ. Estamos uh, usando el amor de Dios como un saco, como una vestidura. Number three, we walk in the path of love. Número tres, caminamos en la senda del amor. We walk where love leads. Caminamos donde el amor nos guíe. Now listen, one of the instructions in the Bible is this. Jesus said it. He said, if 
if it's within your power to help someone, help them. If someone asks you for money, give it to them. And if they ask you for a loan, don't hold back. Now, the reason for that was that the, 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 the law of God said that after seven years, all debts were canceled. And so Jesus is teaching this because if someone came and asked to borrow money on the sixth year, and you did the math, wait a minute, he only has 12 months to pay me back. And if he doesn't pay me back, I'm going to lose the money. And Jesus says, if it's in your power to help, help. That's the path of love. And if you can't lend them the money without thinking about it at Thanksgiving, then don't lend them the money. Give them $10 and pray for it. Do what you can. That's the path of love. Is the church here tonight. And the, the Bible calls this a, a low thought. He says, let no mean thought, not mean as in uh, uh, ugly conduct, but mean as in average. Let no low thought, below average thought, come into your mind and say, well, what if? God says, you do what you can and I'll take care of you. So we walk in the path of love, wherever that path may lead. It might lead you to have to Help someone fix a flat who one day took the the air out of your tires. Which way does love lead today? Now, you can say, well, I'm just going to drive by real slow. Or you you can stop and you can help. And this happens, doesn't it? We say it because it's true. What goes around comes around. And be careful how you treat people on the way up because you'll meet them on the way down. These things, we say them because they're true. Life has a way of turning around and sooner or later, the people who hurt you are going to need you. And when they need you, you'll know you're a Christian by your love. So we walk in love by following the path where love leads. Now, in in the scriptures, we read even a greater set of, of words regarding this. Galatians 5.14, it puts a clincher on this. It says that all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So God is saying, if you want to fulfill all that I've said, you have to do this one thing. And then in 1 Timothy 1.5, he says, the end of the commandment is love. We read it here in Romans, don't we? He says, don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. Don't steal. What are these things telling us? They're telling us that love doesn't commit adultery. Love doesn't break marriage vows. Say amen, somebody. Love doesn't steal. Love doesn't do wrong. It doesn't seek to do wrong. It doesn't covet, doesn't seek to take that which is uh, someone else's. And Christ says this in John 13, 34. A new commandment give I unto you, that you love one another. All right, so this is quite clear then, that God puts love at the level of a command. He puts walking in love 
at a level of a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, a, an idea. It's not even an ideal. It is a command. It's what God expects. El caminar en el amor es un mandamiento. No es una, no es un ideal. Que a ver, a ver si llego. No es una idea. A ver si, uh, si es buena. No es una sugerencia. Es un mandamiento. Let's say that together. Love is a commandment. Jesus said it. A new commandment. Give I unto you. That you love one another. Now, this is why the, the question was asked. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesús dijo, ama a tu prójimo como a ti mismo. Hand goes up. Who is my neighbor? ¿Quién es mi, quién es mi vecino? Well, they were expecting this good Jewish rabbi to say, your neighbor is your fellow Jew. Ellos esperaban que él dijera, tu vecino son los judíos. That way I can say good riddance to the Gentiles and all I have to do is love the Jews. Así nomás tengo que amar al judío y adiós con los demás. And Jesus proceeds to tell them the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesús le dice la historia de la parábola del buen samaritano. And he says, a certain man fell among thieves. Un hombre cayó entre los ladrones. And a Levite walked by, passed to the other side. A priest walked by, passed to the other side. Finally, a Samaritan walked by and cured his wounds, took him into an inn, paid for his care for the next couple of days, and said, if he owes you anything else, I'll pay for it. Which of these men was his neighbor? Which of these men demonstrated the law of love? Fulfill the law of love. And Jesus used that as an example to, to tell the, you know, somewhat proud and arrogant Jewish audience there that sometimes the Gentiles love better than you do. Now, this is where we have to focus tonight because Jesus is saying, you should love your neighbor. And if your neighbor happens to be a Christian, then especially love him. But when your neighbor is not a Christian, if they're a pagan, if there's someone outside the faith, maybe even an atheist, that's your neighbor. The love of God extends to the darkest and the vilest of human beings. Why? Because there's no one outside of God's love. Now, we would just love the convenience to say, I only have to love the people I like. But that's not God's love. Nos, nos gustaría, sería muy conveniente decir, solo tengo que amar al que a mí me cae bien. Al que a mí me gusta. Pero es una, no es la ley del amor. El amor es amar al prójimo. A todo aquel que está a nuestro alrededor. So let me give you a few a few ways to know if you are walking in this love. Vamos a, a ver si estamos caminando en este amor. If you're paying the debt of love, number one, you have to pass the enthusiasm test. Número uno es el examen del entusiasmo. We are to love enthusiastically. Debemos amar con entusiasmo. First John 3.18 It must be 
The love of deeds, not words. Tell your neighbor, put your back into it. When we love, we'll know we are, we are paying the debt of love when we are enthusiastic about love. When our love has actions. Cuando nuestro amor tiene acción. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. No debemos amar simplemente con palabras. Our words are very important when we come to love. But they, they need to be followed with action. Las palabras son muy importantes cuando hablamos del amor, pero deben ser seguidas con la acción. 1 Peter 4.7 makes it even clearer. Primera de, de Pedro 4.7 lo hace más claro. It says, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. Dice, sobre todas las cosas, tener un amor ferviente uno para el otro. Passionate, enthusiastic love. Un amor that's the kind of love God had for us. Este es el amor que Dios tiene para nosotros. And then we read another way to know that we are paying the love debt. Otra manera de saber si estamos pagando la deuda del amor is in, in 1 John 4.20. The Bible says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he can see, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. I didn't write that. That's in the Bible. God says, if you can't love the guy you can see, you won't love the God you can't see. So if at work we say, yes, sir. No, sir. One minute, sir. Whatever you like, sir. And then at home, we're slamming, slamming cabinet doors. And tossing pots and pans around and kicking the dog and the cat. Jesus says, You're failing the test. No, no one said amen. If you accommodate sin in the name of love, you're failing the test. Si acomodamos el pecado en el amor, en el nombre del amor, estamos fallando. You see, loving your neighbor, loving your brother, walking in love toward people does not just mean that we, uh, that we treat them well, but it also means that we correct sin when it needs to be corrected. And that we speak the truth in love. Hablamos la verdad en el amor. Now here's how the, here's how the devil gets some people. If the devil tells a lie, that sounds like love, people will believe him. And if Christians tell a truth that sounds like hate, they won't believe us. You understand that? The devil will tell lies in a loving way and bring people into a trap. And the church often has a tone toward people that's hateful and angry and militant. And it's the truth, but it's closing hearts to the gospel. So we must be careful that we have a, that we speak truth in love. It has to be a season with love. And finally, we read that in Ephesians 5, uh, Ephesians 4, 15. 
The Bible says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So the test of our love is that we walk in love, that we walk in love toward all people, and that we speak the truth with love. Now, because there's a lot going on in our culture, I want to just mention this even though most of you aren't preachers, but you're going to have to talk about it at some point or another. Our culture, right now you see protests uh, for the abortion movement. You see protests for the uh, gender redefinition movement. All of these things are going on in our culture. And the culture is constantly pushing its view of, of life on people and on the church. And many times what, what happens is that we might be tempted to respond to the movement. And I teach our pastors this when I have the opportunity. I want to teach you as, as church members as well. That when you speak to these issues, don't speak to the movements. Because you're not going to win a movement. You're going to win a person. The movements have banners and, and, uh, and posters and they're loud and they they have numbers, so they seem powerful and dominant. But those movements are not going to be converted. What's going to be converted, what needs the love of Christ, is the soul. And so we need to be careful that when we answer these issues, we don't answer the movement, we need to answer the person. And many times, what has happened uh, is... Is not, has nothing to do with a particular rights or a particular set of political beliefs. Many times it has to do with some brokenness in their heart and they've gone in that particular direction. You're not going to heal it with yelling and screaming. You're going to heal it with love. Truth spoken in love. Uncompromised. But we're not, we're not talking to the thousands of people on the White House lawn or the Supreme Court uh, lawn. We're talking to the one person who's in front of you who needs to know the truth. And if the church will win this battle, the battle of love, we can see people restored and healed and brought into the fullness of Christ. We need to make, make people aware of these realities. That the world, listen now, the world sells homosexuality and lesbianism and gender transition as the solution, as the answer for men's heart problems. And the worst thing about the world is that the same people that promote it are behind your back laughing at you for doing it. And the church has a better answer than the world. Jesus heals broken hearts. Jesus restores broken lives. Jesus clears up the path of brokenness in people's lives. And the, the, spook, the, the truth must be spoken with the love of God and the clarity of the scriptures. And so we have to, love requires that we love those who are in sin. We read this already in Romans, but that we, that we 
abhor the sin. That we hate the sin, but love the sinner. And if you become so vocal about the sin that you run over the sinner, you're not walking in love. Si somos tan vocal para hablar en contra del pecado y no amar al pecador, no estamos caminando en el amor. Let's stand together tonight. Vamos a ponernos en pie esta noche. Owe no man anything except to love him. That's God's remedy for our world. It's God's remedy for our broken and needing needy world. It's His love demonstrated, walked out, experienced, and shared through the lives of Christians. And and this love, the Bible says, there's no law against it. There's no law against it. When you love people the way God loves them, you're fulfilling all the law of God. And tonight, let's just, let's make this our prayer that we could be practical in our walk and practical in the paying of the debt of love. That every person we see, we would see them with the eyes of faith that we would see them through the heart of God and understand that Jesus shed his blood for them he wants them to be part of the covenant to know his fullness and blessing and that you and I may be the only love they see today we may be the only grace they see today and let them see Christ in us by our love Father God tonight we embrace the truth of scripture that faith works through love. We embrace the truth of scripture that perfect love casts out fear. We embrace the truth of scripture that love conquers a multitude of sins. And tonight, by embracing that truth, we say, first of all, thank you for loving us. And, and we worship you for loving us. We honor you for loving us. And make us agents of your unbounded love toward our world. Father, I pray for grace to love the unlovable, the difficult to love tonight. I pray for anyone here who's having a difficulty loving someone in their life who's, who's a challenge for them. I pray that grace would rise up and give them strength and power to demonstrate the God kind of love. And Father, I pray that we would have as a church the grace of God on our lips that when we speak the truth we would speak truth seasoned with love with kindness with mercy knowing that we live in a broken world let our words bring healing let our very presence demonstrate your love toward mankind Father let us be people who daily pass the test and to demonstrate to the world there is a loving God who cares come on let's just lift our hands to heaven let's just ask God for an outpouring of his grace on our life that we might practically do what he has 
put in us already. 